firm Silkure. We discussed the growing threat of synthetic fraud in Buy Now, Pay Later. I asked Mr. Cook how synthetic fraud attacks work. Synthetic fraud is, has been around for a long time. You know, you, you've got a lot of folks who say it's a, it's a new, new fraud vector, but it's been around since the early 2000s. Um, and synthet- synthetic fraud is uh, basically uh, uh, when someone creates an identity to do some, uh, some kind of financial harm uh, to somebody else, right? Um, synthetic fraud can be, uh, there's different versions of it. Uh, it can be manipulated where it's a consumer who has had bad credit in the past and they know they can't get credit the way they would like to uh, in the future, just because they've got a terrible score. Um, and so they will go in and make certain changes generally to their social security number. And they will establish a new credit report. Uh, they can do things like uh, it's called piggybacking where they can buy an authorized uh, uh, trade line uh, off the internet, um, which would give them a new credit card with a really high uh, credit limit. Um, and so it would uh, artificially inflate the score um, they can credit wash. They can, you know, pull old uh, uh, trade lines that are legitimately theirs that are bad off of their credit report. So, <laughs> so you can manipulate uh, your own your own identity to make a synthetic identity, and and that's probably about half of the synthetic identities that are out there. Um, the other type of synthetic identity is called fabricated, um, and that's when it's completely fake. Uh, person doesn't exist, and uh, it's generally somebody who tries to build a new identity so that they can cause some kind of, um, you know, financial harm. They'll either open up new accounts, um, credit card, or any other kinds of an account, BNPL, right? And then um, they'll never pay back. Or oftentimes, synthetics will also open up a DDA account. And a fabricated identity uh, will be used as almost a a money mule, right? And so that, you know, if I'm going to do P2P fraud or uh, any other kind of uh, uh, romance scams, government scams, you know, I certainly don't want to do it under my own identity. Um, I'd rather money launder under a fabricated synthetic identity. So um, synthetic identities take a different uh, bunch of different forms, but basically they are just identities that don't really exist. Okay. And you say that there are things being, well, can you talk a little bit about how, BNPL and synthetic fraud intersects. Is that just a new opportunity for synthetic fraud? What do you see and in the space? It's it's a new opportunity for everybody, right? So BNPL is is uh, it's really had explosive growth, especially what we saw, you know, over the holidays uh, this last year. Um, they've grown, you know, exponentially, right? So um, fraudsters uh, will always attack a new. Uh, vertical, right? Because uh, it's it's basically uh, you're generally trying to get a bunch of uh, of new customers on as quickly as you can. So, and by now, pay later. That's no different than the same thing we're seeing in uh, in crypto platforms, in because uh, uh, in online uh, gaming and those kinds of places where they're really really trying to grow their customer base. So, in BNPL, um, those uh, companies are doing some things to make uh, the the process of getting a BNP loan uh, really quick and easy for a consumer. So they generally don't ask for as much information as they need. So it's easier for a synthetic identity um, or a third party or even first party fraud, which is the consumer who's using their own identity to get credit um, to, uh, 
to get a BNPL loan uh, fraudulently and not pay them back. Um, uh, so we do see we've seen uh, you know an increase in fraud for BNPL. Um, it can be upwards of four hundred basis points of fraud um, that they see. So, what are BNPL providers getting wrong about synthetic fraud? Well, if you don't have good protection in place, it's hard to detect. Um, uh, synthetic fraudsters, those who are really smart, they'll je- they tend to build a uh, a new identity, um, and it. Uh, oftentimes is a young person, right? Um, or it might look like they're using a, a, an immigrant name that has a brand new social. So a, a social security number that's a randomly generated social. In, in 2011, the SSA started creating random socials um, because they knew that there was some abilities for fraudsters to predict um, what somebody's real social was because of the the way that the socials were um, created prior to uh, 2011, based on basically the state and when you were born. Um, So they got away from that in 2011. And so what what smart fraudsters do is they'll create synthetic identities using a random social, um, a young person, uh, something that looks to be an immigrant name. And so those will tend to go through the process. It looks uh, looks like a real identity to somebody who, if you don't have a good synthetic fraud um, tool in place. Uh, it can get past your KYC or CIP requirements, which I don't think even BNPL has those. So, um, so there's there's that issue there. They may not be having the right protections in place. Um, the other thing that BNPL uh, lenders do is they tend to do a soft pull on a credit report. And a soft pull just means, hey, consumers, we're not going to apply inquiries to your credit reports, right? So, it again helps speed uh, and reduce the friction for the consumer to decide if they want to do a BNP loan. The problem with that is the inquiry doesn't get established at the bureau, um, and a high velocity of inquiries is a very good indicator of credit risk as well as fraud. Right, so BNPL and others who are doing soft credit pools allow synthetic fraud, people who are doing first-party fraud, people who are doing third-party fraud to basically test uh, the process and see if they can get that identity uh, through um, without having to uh, establish a bunch of inquiries on the credit report, which would therefore you know, hurt that identity that they've created. Um, so how can BNPL PL organizations that are already in existence uh, better recognize synthetic fraud patterns to minimize these attacks? Well, you can always try and build your own solution, but um, you know I've been building synthetic fraud solutions for quite a while. I think the right thing to do is use a company like Secure, um, who's got not only a synthetic fraud scoring solution um, driven off of a lot of data that's not a you know not, that that most companies don't have, um, but also a third party fraud scoring model, right? So. You want to you want to have all the protections that you can have in place, and generally, uh, a company like Secure that builds the Sigma synthetic model um, and uses you know a broad amount of data uses a, a graph defined platform uh, and machine learning to you know give you a score that um, will capture a lot of those synthetic fraudsters um, at a low false positive rate. So you don't add a lot of friction to the process, but you're able to efficiently weed out 
those synthetic fraudsters by using, you know, some kind of passive form of identity verification, like a Sigma score. And, and what is a Sigma score? So Sigma is Secure's brand. It's the sum. Basically, yes. it just means the sum of, of all. And it's, it means that um, we are using all the information that we can at our disposal. Um, Secure is very, very focused on uh, helping uh, be more inclusive. Um, and so what we do a very good job of scoring, uh, which again, synthetic, uh, this is where kind of synthetic and, and young people overlap. Um, uh, for BNPL. So a lot of people that use BNPL loans are the younger uh, generation. And so um, this, the Sigma score uses all of the data that we acquire, very focused on getting information from those younger populations that have a thin information footprint. Um, and we apply that score, uh, again, it's just a machine learned uh, score uh, against uh, the data that is given to a BNPL provider um, and provide back uh, a score and reason codes. You also mentioned a graph defining platform. What what is that? Yeah, so uh, it's really really difficult. Not, uh, if you don't have a, a graph defined platform, if you don't have the ability of taking identities and linking them across other identities over time, and then seeing the velocity of those identities, it's very difficult, especially to catch synthetic fraud. Right. Again, if you're BNPL and you're pulling soft pulls, you're not going to see those inquiries at the credit bureau, right? And, and so you're going to miss that velocity of the identity. So using a company like Secure that has a graph-defined platform, meaning we link a lot of our data across, uh, not, uh, we're not looking just for Lorraine, right? We're looking for Lorraine. We're looking how she's used her email uh, how else has somebody else used that email? Does it connect to how many names? How often has it been used in a BNPL or other application over the last day, three days, six weeks? Um, how is Lorraine using her cell phone number? Um, has that cell phone number been used by other people? Um, uh, you know, what's going on at the address? If it's a single family dwelling, why is there 100 applications coming out of that single family dwelling from 100 different people in the last three days, right? So a graphified platform allows a company to apply uh, some pretty cool technology to link all that data across and then use all of that data in the signals that it generates um, to create the scores. Great. And you know, banks are sort of looking to get into BNPL a little bit. Um, what advice would you have for them moving forward? Because they do have to be concerned with KYC and some of these regulations. Yeah, the good news is uh, I, we work with um, five of the six biggest banks in the country. So we're, we're generally already um, working with those. As they get into BNPL, they definitely want to pay attention to uh, synthetic fraud uh, first party fraud and third party fraud, um, which, you know, we have solutions for. Um, and uh, gosh, they do have KYC and CIP requirements. You know, the interesting thing, a lot of, um, a lot of folks will ask me, you know, well, fraud got through this KYC uh, application. How did fraud get through? And, you know, the response is, well, KYC and CIP applications really are just to determine um, does that identity, is that, does that um, identity seem to be real? It does get through some KYC solutions. If you're using a KY or a CIP solution that is only using bureau header data, for instance, um, synthetic fraud will get through that um, because Secure uses bureau header data. We use information from other kinds of sources. Um, 
then we tend to capture more synthetic fraud in the CIP solution, but it's not always perfect. So you need to have a CIP solution sitting alongside a third-party fraud solution and sitting alongside a synthetic fraud solution to really protect yourself. Okay, those are all my questions. Do you have anything you'd want to add? Um, well, I think, you know, BNPL is seen... It's, it's interesting with BNPL, right? There, anyone who's uh, in crypto and game, it, anyone who's really focused on trying to bring in uh, as many customers and grow their customer base as quickly as possible, um, they are going to see fraud, right? Um, having a company like Secure uh, with you um, helps to uh, grow your base uh, quickly, to reduce the friction, especially to younger consumers who are... Uh, fans of BNPL, the biggest fans of BNPL, um, and therefore their target. Um, and uh, and, and it, it's just, it, you have to have those uh, protections in place to grow and keep your fraud a uh, little bit lower than where it's at today. I think, I think BNPL um, lenders are probably going to tighten up their, their, uh, their lending requirements a little bit. They'll probably do better on identity verification in the future. And I, I think, you know, it's, especially our customers, you know, we, we've seen that they're able to reduce their, their fraud rate substantially um, by using Secure. You've been listening to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. Thank you for your time and be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Please don't hesitate to rate this podcast on your platform of choice. Thank you.